Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, and I'm here with you today taking your calls and texts live on the air. This is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or anything else going on in your life that you'd like prayer for or you'd like to get some biblical perspective on. I'm here with you today to answer those questions and to pray for your prayer requests. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Once again, the text line is 720-336-0897. Calvary Live is the show where you can call in or you can text us every day, every weekday. We have this show where you can uh, reach out. You have a direct line to pastors who are here to answer your questions, to answer your Bible questions, to answer your questions about life from the Bible, and to pray for your prayer requests, along with so many people who are tuning in and are able to hear those prayer requests you have and say yes and amen and agree together as we lift those needs up to the Lord. So please take advantage of this opportunity. Give me a call, and hopefully maybe you maybe you have a question which you've wondered about for a long time and you've been hesitant to call in. Maybe this is the time for you to do that because as you do, there's somebody else out there who has a similar question and they're going to be blessed and they're going to grow and learn as a result of your question. So don't hesitate to give us a call, 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. We want to welcome those of you who are listening in Colorado and Wyoming on Grace FM. Welcome to the program. Glad to have you with us today. You're hearing this show live today. It's April 9th. It is, uh, well, let's see, we're, we're one week almost out from Easter Sunday. Uh, today's April 9th. It's a Friday, and it's a beautiful day here in Colorado. It's a little windy this morning, but now, man, the sun came out, and it is gorgeous. I have an office that looks right out over the front range here, just Long's Peak and the Indian Peaks here in Longmont, and just absolutely gorgeous out the window today. So welcome to those of you who are listening on Grace FM. We also want to welcome those of you who are listening on the East Coast on Hope FM in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Maryland, as well as those who are listening on Truth FM in Tennessee and parts of North Carolina and Kentucky. Welcome to the program. To those of you on Hope FM and Truth FM, we want to give you a little disclaimer, just a heads up, that those of you listening on Hope FM and Truth FM, they're on the East Coast and in the Appalachian region, you are hearing this program on a one-week delay. So we just want you to know that, but we still want you to call in and be part of the show. Call in with your questions about the Bible, with your prayer requests. We'd love to pray for you, answer your questions. And then you guys have kind of a unique and, and I, what I think is a really cool opportunity, which is that because the show airs a week later in your local area, you'll be able to tell a few people that you know that, hey, I'm going to be on at such and such a time. And that'll be an opportunity for those people to be introduced to that local 
Christian radio station in, in their local area. And in addition to this show, maybe they'll start listening to some of the other shows. Maybe it'll become a, um, maybe it'll become a preset in their car. Maybe they'll start listening to Bible study, you know, maybe even people who, who publicly wouldn't go to church or, you know, they're, they're just curious. So they'll start listening in, they'll start hearing the word. God will start working in their lives as they hear the word. It comes into their ears and then affects their hearts. Man, that's a cool opportunity. So we definitely encourage you to do that. Whether you're listening live or whether you're not, uh, spread the word. Help us get the word out about this station. We believe it's a really good thing, and we hear great reports about it all the time. So get the word out about your local Christian radio station, whether that's Grace FM or Hope FM, Truth FM, whichever station you're listening on today. And we also want to greet those who are listening online. Looks like we have a lot of listeners online today, which is great. Welcome to those of you listening online. I have a lot of listeners in the United States. Um, here in the Rocky Mountain region is, of course, the biggest concentration, but it looks like we've got listeners in Salt Lake City, up in Billings, Montana. We've got listeners in the Bay Area of California, and looks like Southern California represented as well. Dallas, Fort Worth, Oklahoma City. It's like uh, Twin Cities representing there, as well as St. Louis, Chicago. Lots of places today. Looks like even uh, some listeners in Tennessee and on the East Coast, Virginia. New York. Glad to have you all with us. Welcome to the program. And it looks like we've got some international listeners. Got a friend listening in uh, Vinitsa, Ukraine. So welcome to you. And we know that uh, the way that these people are able to listen to our show, even though they're outside of our broadcast range, is that they listen one of two ways, either just on our website directly at gracefm.com. And you can do that anywhere you are in the world at any time. Tune into gracefm.com. Just push that button to listen live. And the other way is that you can get our free app. So you can get our free app for your for your mobile devices, whether it's your phone or your tablet. It's totally free. Just type in the search bar, Grace FM, and it's one word, no spaces. And as soon as it comes up, you put that on your device, you'll be able to listen anywhere in the world, uh, totally free over the internet at all times. And that's been kind of a, a growing area. But here's another cool way that you may, may not know about is that there's also an Apple TV app for, um, for Grace FM. And there's also a Roku app, so you can listen on your TV, maybe as you're cleaning your house, as you're going about your day, just have that Bible, Bible teaching, Bible studies on in the background, and um, that would be awesome. You can also do it on smart speakers as well, so if you have uh, any kind of smart speaker, just tell it to tune into Grace FM, and it'll play it for you live. So that's really cool. We encourage you guys to take advantage of those opportunities. And yeah, so what you need to say, apparently, here's the phrase, I just got it sent to me. You need to tell your device, Play Grace FM on iHeartRadio, and it'll play on your smart speakers. So that's really cool. Anyway, welcome to the show. Wherever you're tuning in from, we'd love to hear from you. And even if you're outside of our broadcast range or even internationally, we'd love to hear from you via call or via text. So give us a call. The number to call is 303-690-3000. Call us with your Bible questions. Call us with your prayer requests. We are here to serve you today by answering those questions and by praying for you. So give us a call, 303 303- Six nine zero three thousand, or text us at seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven. That's seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven. Just a few words about myself as we wait for those calls to come in. My name is Nick Cady. I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church, which is located in Longmont, Colorado. And let's see, I have been the pastor here for nine years now. Kind of surprises me. It feels like it's gone very fast, and yet uh, it's definitely home. I grew up in Colorado, but I then spent 10 years as a missionary in Eastern Europe, in Hungary, 
and um, I speak Hungarian. My wife, um, we met over there in Hungary. We have a couple of kids. We live here in Longmont and moved back nine years ago at the request of Whitefields Community Church to be their pastor. And God has done some great things over these last few years. Uh, we about a year ago during the pandemic, like right at the beginning of the pandemic, it's something we, we moved into a new building and that's something we had been working on pre-pandemic. We didn't expect at all that the pandemic was going to happen in the way that it did. So we moved into a new building during the pandemic, which might sound like a terrible idea, um, but by God's grace, it has been a huge blessing. And we just testify to his goodness and his provision over the last year. And um, you know, our, our church has grown uh, in this time, and we are just so thankful for all the great things that God has been doing here at Whitefields. And we'd love for you to be a part of it. If you are in within driving distance of Longmont, we would love to have you come and worship with us in person. And if you're not, we'd love to have you worship with us online. So we have in-person and online services every Sunday. The in-person services, we have three services, 8 a.m., 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. And we have online services at 9.30 and 11. And we'd love to have you join us for them. So if you live within driving distance of Longmont, if you live in any of the surrounding communities like Berthoud or Mead, Frederick, Firestone, Decono, if you live in Lafayette or Erie or Niwa, if you live in North Boulder or Hygiene, if you live in Let's see, Lions, we would love to have you come and worship with us on a Sunday. And uh, even up into Loveland, we have quite a few people who drive down from Loveland. Just because of where we're located with this building, is, uh, we're right on Highway 119, just in between County Line Road and I-25. So it's kind of really convenient for anybody coming from any of the surrounding communities to get here quickly and, and easily. So our address is 2950 Colorful Avenue. That's 2950 Colorful Avenue in Longmont, Colorado. Our zip is 80504, which tells you that we're on the east side of Longmont. And like I said, we're right in between County Line Road and I-25, right on Highway 119. We're directly north of Sandstone Ranch Community Park and directly opposite the Walmart here on the southeast side of Longmont. We'd love to have you join us. Yeah, the producer here is asking me about Hygiene, Hygiene Colorado. He said he's never heard of it. And uh, yeah, Hygiene Colorado, man. It's a great place. And it's just uh, right on the edge of Longmont. It's it's doing its best to not get swallowed up by Longmont is what it's doing. It's right on the west side there of Longmont. Beautiful area where the St. Vrain River comes in off of the mountains right before it comes into Longmont. But uh, yeah, Hygiene is, is part of our community here in Longmont. And um I'm sure we have some listeners there as well. So, um, yeah, so as I was saying, you can find our online services at our website, whitefieldschurch.com. That's whitefieldschurch.com. Our services are posted there online. You can also find us on YouTube, youtube.com slash whitefieldschurch, facebook.com slash whitefieldschurch. And you can also hear me on Grace FM every weekday. I'm on twice a day at 9.30 and 2.30, so 9.30 a.m. and 2.30 p.m. every weekday, and you can also hear me on Sundays at 1 p.m., in addition to, of course, this Friday show. And so, yeah, um, that is that. We'd love to have you join us. Check us out online, uh, whitefieldschurch.com. I'll tell you about something else I've been working on lately, and then we'll go to our first caller. But 
one of the things I've been working on lately is I started a blog a few years ago, and it's gotten uh, quite a bit of traction. But then um, recently I got asked to, to do a podcast, and I was really hesitant to do that because it just seemed like one more thing. It also seemed like some this is kind of a trendy thing to do right now. And I was like, okay, well, I'm not sure it's for me. But there is, with, with Calvary Chapel, they have started a podcast network called Good Lion Podcast Network. And so the network reached out to me and said, hey, we like your blog. What if you did some stuff for us in podcast form? And so I said, yeah, you know, that actually I would do that. So I started a podcast. So if there's any of you out there who are looking for podcasts, I would love it if you'd go and subscribe to my new podcast. It's called Theology for the People. And I just put out a new episode today. And uh, it's one that I'm really excited about. And I really actually like this format of podcasting because it's very conversational. So myself and the other pastor here at our church, Michael, we sat down and we talked about a question that came in, which was this. Someone asked, what's the benefit of attending church? A person is demanded to surrender their personal faith in Jesus and become a Borg. It's good only for being robotized, lobotomized, romanized, and institutionalized, but it's pointless for knowing Jesus Christ personally. So that was their take on church. And I think that that's actually not an uncommon view of church, that church is unnecessary and perhaps even detrimental. And so Mike and I sat down and we looked at the Bible. What does the Bible say about that? And then we, we talked about, you know, from a theological perspective, from a practical perspective, what leads someone to these conclusions? So if you're curious about that question, I'd love it if you go and check it out. Just uh, Google Theology for the People, and you, there's a website that's attached to it, or you can just go in your podcast app and search Theology for the People, and you'll see that newest episode. It's called, Is Church an Unnecessary Evil? Well, with that, let's go to our first caller, Judah in Brighton, Colorado. Hi, Judah. Welcome to the program. Oh, thank you. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Um, Welcome. I wanted to call and ask uh, just your thoughts and opinions on the church closure in Alberta, if you've heard of it. Yeah, I have heard about that. And I have some good friends up in um, both Alberta and British Columbia who've been posting a lot about it, and I've been talking with them. So the church is called Grace Life Church. It's in Alberta. And so, as as I understand, they were shut down. They were fined for having uh, 300 people at their service. Does that, that all sound correct? Yeah, as far as I know, the straw that broke the camel's back as, as, as far as, uh, uh, you know, how the state perceives it was the Easter service. But mm. from what I read, the Royal Canadian Mounted Police showed up earlier this week and fenced the entire property off. Mm-hmm. And I'm just, you know, it frustrates and kind of uh, upsets me a little bit. But then I also consider that we are supposed to submit to our leaders and our authorities. So I'm on the fence, right? You know, on one hand, they were told to limit their capacity. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, I tend to side with the church. Yeah, no, it's a tough situation. I mean, they're not the only church that's been facing these kinds of things. I think this is the first time I've seen a church actually be like surrounded by police and a fence to block people from going in. But um, I, you know, I've heard, of course, about a lot of churches, uh, even some churches in our Calvary network, who have been um, fined a lot of money, taken to court, etc. So, you know, I, thankfully here in Colorado. On the one hand, I think that uh, as 
far as you know, I'm sure this could be up for debate, but I think that the the handling of the pandemic has gone pretty well. That and we haven't had to have these things. In fact, I was on a call that the governor of Colorado's on. This is fairly early in the pandemic, where he said, "Hey, look, we're not going to come after anybody, but we just ask that you you keep your people safe and just take some precautions and realize that this is, you know, a serious thing." And I thought that that was a very good way of handling it. Um, I know that that's also the way it's been handled in other places in the country, like in San Diego, for example. They they have rules, but they tell the churches, hey, look, as long as you can be responsible and safe, go ahead and, and you can continue gathering. Um, to me, yeah, probably putting a fence around the building and having police there is is a step too far. I mean, here's the thing. Anybody who attends church in person, they know the risk that they're taking. They're assuming the risk. And I think that, um, you know, I think there's probably a time and a place for for preventing people from taking risks unnecessarily and how that might hurt others as an ethical way of acting, right? So let's think about it like this. As Christians, we are pro-life. Now, being pro-life isn't only an ethic that applies when we're talking about abortion. Being pro-life means that we're pro-life in every way. We are also anti-euthanasia. And that should also mean that we do everything we can to help people stay alive. And if that means inconveniencing ourselves by wearing masks or distancing, I think that we should be ready to do that. Now, on the other hand, it does seem to me that um, the Canada really has been pushing the limits on, on some of these things. And I think it's just a matter of time before it comes to the United States. And I'm not just talking about the pandemic. I'm also talking about their rules on hate speech and things like that. So they've been really kind of leading the way with some of these measures that I think are um, really going to make it hard on Christians in the future. But I will say yeah, this. It, okay, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, the, the thing that frustrates and kind of gets me about it, too, is in the article that I read, it was suggested that a lot of the repercussions that that church is facing are coming as a result of, like, public outcry against that church. And that, to me, just, like, that's just more persecution, and the persecution is just building up against us. Mm. Yeah, and you know what, though? Here's the, here's the thing. When you look historically at the church, you see that persecution has been actually a really good thing. Not just the, the whole idea that the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church, but you know, persecution has a cleansing aspect to it. Peter talks about that in First Peter, right? He says, you know, don't be surprised when these fiery trials come upon you as if something strange or unusual is happening. He says, it's not strange or unusual at all. This is normal. And, you know, the whole idea of fiery trials cleansing us, uh, they, they cleanse the church, they strengthen, just like, you know, that idea of cleansing metal through fire what happens is it causes the impurities and the dross to rise to the top so that it can be scraped off and you end up with a product that is much healthier, stronger, has more integrity. And I think that as Christians, you know, we don't need to fear it. I don't think that we're out looking for it, right? We're not we're not picking fights and looking to get persecuted. We're looking to show honor where honor is due. And honor is due in a position that has been given by God. And and so, yeah, these are a lot of things that are really hard to balance. And these are a lot of things where it's, it's really tough to know, you know, is this just an inconvenience 
that we're being asked to not go to church, at least to limit our numbers and to distance? Or is this really an issue of um, obeying God versus obeying man? That's a really tough question to answer. And, and I think that it, it takes a lot of prayer and it, and it takes a lot of wisdom. Well, I appreciate your time, and uh, I appreciate your thoughts on the subject. Um, yeah. Well, let's just go ahead and pray for these it. things. Yeah, no, thank you for bringing it up. I think it's a great question. Let's go ahead and pray for these things before I let you go. So, Lord, we, we lift up this situation in Canada. We lift up uh, the pastor who's under fire there. We lift up the church that has been shuttered. Lord, we pray that you'd make it clear to, to us and to others, you know, where, where are those lines? Where are the lines where you're calling us to to obey the authorities and where are the lines where we need to say, okay, this is a step too far where we have to obey God rather than man. It's, it's uh, not crystal clear in this situation. So Lord, we ask for a lot of wisdom to navigate this faithfully and honorably in a way that honors you and in a way that really acts faithfully to what you've called us to do as, as people on mission and lights in the world, shining your light for people to see. So Lord, we pray for our brothers and sisters in Canada, and we pray for ourselves here in the United States and elsewhere, Lord, that you give us a lot of wisdom. And we do pray that this would continue to, that the, the pandemic would continue to this downward trend and that it would end. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. You bet. God bless you. Bye-bye. Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I'm here taking your calls and texts live on the air. We've got seven minutes left in our first half of the show. And so in those seven minutes, I'd love to hear from some more of you. We've got all open lines right now. And so let's go ahead and go to our text line. But before we do that, I want to give you the numbers to call so you can call in and get on the air with your Bible questions and with your prayer requests. Or you can text us as well. Here's the numbers. 303-690-3000. That's 303 303- Six nine zero three thousand, or you can text us at seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven. Once again, the text line is seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven. We got a text message from Clint who says, "Could you explain again those verses that show the rapture? Hopefully, you know what I'm talking about." Well, I'm just going to have to guess, Clint. Um, I, what I think you're talking about is that uh, in previous shows, people have asked me, you know, how would I defend the belief in the rapture, meaning the, the believers will be caught up prior to the time of God's outpouring of his wrath, his temporal judgment on the earth. And what I said at the time is that, yeah, there are a few verses in the New Testament that lead to that, but actually, you know, the main verses that people use, I don't think are necessarily the strongest. So one of the main verses people use is 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, which does talk about it. And I think it's it's a fair enough argument, but that verse can also be interpreted multiple ways. So it doesn't necessarily, it's not, not that that verse on its own is the only verse that causes people to believe in a rapture that will happen before a time of tribulation. There are other verses, which I personally think build a bigger case. And I'll just make them real quick here uh, and then we'll go to our next caller but here's here's the first one is that there is in the book of genesis we start seeing this pattern that god removes the godly from a place before temporal judgment comes on that place now this isn't without exception right there are some times where the godly suffer with the ungodly and i'll give you some examples of that 
But ultimately, even in those situations, it seems that before it really comes down hard, God removes the godly when he brings the temporal judgment upon them. So there's this pattern throughout the Bible. Here's the first example. In Sodom and Gomorrah, God is going to bring judgment against Sodom and Gomorrah for, it says in Ezekiel, that the reason for the judgment is because of their pride and uh, their you know, stiff-neckedness. And so God is going to bring uh, judgment upon Sodom and Gomorrah. And the thing that he does is that Moses has this, con- or sorry, not Moses, Abraham has this conversation with God where he says, God, you know, will you spare the city? You know, if there were this many righteous people, if there were, how about if there were this many? And they start counting down until they finally get to five, right? And so what happens there is that apparently there are not even 10 righteous people in this town. And so rather than sparing the town, what God does is he removes righteous Lot and his family from Sodom and Gomorrah before he brings judgment. Another example of this is with Noah. God is going to bring um, the judgment upon the earth in the time of Noah. He gives them like a hundred years of Noah preaching and building a boat in the desert where the people are called to repent and yet nobody repents except for Noah's family and these eight people are saved on the ark. And what happens? God is saving the righteous from the temporal judgment that comes upon the earth. So we have a pattern that seems to form. The one where I was going to say people suffer together is like in the Exodus. So in the Exodus, we see that for the first couple plagues, the righteous and the unrighteous, I mean, God's people and the people who are opposed to God, they suffer these plagues together. And then about halfway through, the plagues begin to separate and only the Egyptians suffer the plagues. And then finally, because they, they apply the blood of the lamb to their doorposts on Passover, they're spared from the ultimate judgment there that takes place on the Passover. But then if you go into the New Testament, you see another really important text on the rapture, which is actually in the book of Revelation. And it's not just a passage, it's the structure of Revelation. So in Revelation chapter 1, verse 19, there's this passage which says uh, where John is told by Jesus to write down the things he has seen, the things that are, and the things that are to take place after this. So that's past tense, present tense, future tense. And the word there for after this or after these things in Greek is metatauta, after these things. Okay, so the things that you have seen, so that's past tense, the things that are, it's present tense, and the things that metatauta will happen after this. So that actually is an outline for the book of Revelation. The first chapter is what he has seen, which is he has seen the revelation of Jesus. He talks about it in the past tense. Then he talks about the things that are. And we see the seven letters to the seven churches. So that's like the age of the church, if you will. And then starting in chapter four, here's how chapter four begins with these words in Greek. After this, or in Greek, meta tauta. So there you go. It's that it's same, it, it's, it's reminding us of that outline that we had back in chapter one of Revelation. And he says, after this, I looked and behold, a door standing open in heaven And the first voice which I heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, come up here and I will show you what may take place after this. In Greek, meta tauta. 
So it's that same outline. And then after this, what happens, it says in verse two of chapter four, at once I was in the spirit, behold, the throne stood in heaven. So what just happened? He experienced the rapture. He got caught up into heaven. And from heaven, then he watches the tribulation taking place, the outpouring of God's judgment in temporal ways, right? As opposed to eternal judgment, temporal ways on the earth. He watches it from his vantage point up there in heaven. And so essentially what we would say is that that is showing us he experienced the rapture because that whole thing about the trumpet is very similar to what we read in First Thessalonians chapter 4. So it seems that he's experiencing the rapture and then watching from heaven as these things take place on earth. So I hope that answers your question. Those are the main verses and that brings us right up to our halfway point. Got a few callers on hold. We'll get to them right after this. But we do have two open lines. Give us a call, 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Six nine zero three thousand, and we'll be right back in two minutes' time. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at three zero three six nine zero three thousand, or text us at seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome back to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I'm here with you today taking your calls and texts live on the air. This is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or anything going on in your life that you'd like prayer for. We would love to hear from you. We'd love to pray for you. And we'd love to hopefully answer some of the questions you have. The number to call is 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. That's 720-336-0897. All right, let's go to our next caller, Nick in Brighton, Colorado. Hi, Nick. Welcome to the program. Thank you, Pastor Nick. Uh, thanks for taking my call, and God bless you. Yeah, God bless you. What's going on? I've got a quick question for you that might be a little elementary in nature. Uh, my wife and I have three beautiful children, and uh, they're enrolled in a glorious Christian homeschool program. And in their recent studies, uh, they, they were studying a little bit about dinosaurs, and the middle one connected the dots between God created the earth and man and Adam and Eve and the Garden of Eden, and was confused about where the dinosaurs fit in there, kind of on a timeline. And my wife and I have been kind of on our own trying to figure out, you know, how to connect those dots for her. And we haven't been successful, so I thought I would take advantage of the opportunity to pick a scholar's mind and see if you could help us. Sure. I, I So keep in mind, I'm a theologian, not a scientist, so I um, I can give you a theological answer. And, I, you know, we, we believe that all truth is God's truth, and we, we believe that, you know, if something's true, it's going to match up. So here's uh, what I would tell you. It seems that your uh, daughter, did you say it was your daughter? Who had the question? That's correct. Okay, yeah, it seems that your daughter's kind of stumbled on a debate that Christians have had for quite a while. And it, it gets into this idea of creationism. And I'll give you, there's kind of two camps here. One camp is called Old Earth Creationism, and the other camp is called New Earth Creationism. So, or sorry, Young Earth Creationism. Now, Young Earth Creationism holds to basically a biblical timeline and a timeline that's accepted also by Jewish people of the age of the earth based on what they read in the Bible and the chronology that would say the earth is somewhere around six to 10,000 years old. 
And in that case, people would say, well, how does that match up with the fact that we have these dinosaurs and things like that? And so one of the answers to this is what's called old earth creationism. Now, old earth creationism doesn't believe in evolution, meaning macroevolution as opposed to you know, microevolution or adaptation between species. But um, macroevolution means, you know, a shift of one kind to another kind. Um, so this is not a form of, you know, theistic evolution at all. It's just a gap theory is what it's called. And the gap theory basically says that there's a gap between Genesis 1.1 and Genesis 1.2. So here's how it would go. The, uh, in the, you know, Genesis 1 says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. So the gap theory is this view that, that God created a fully functional earth with all the animals, including the dinosaurs and other creatures that we know only about, like from the fossil record, right? That's the only way we know about them. And then the theory would say that before verse 2 of Genesis, that something catastrophic happened and the earth was destroyed completely. Sometimes they'll try to say that this was tied to the fall of Satan to earth. So the planet became without form and void. And at this point, God essentially started all over again, recreating the earth in its kind of paradise form as described in Genesis. So that's, um, that's the gap theory. It's held by some people. You know, uh, Chuck Smith, who was the founder of Calvary Chapel Movement, he at times um, expressed a belief in the gap theory himself. And so, you know, like I said, it's a form of creationism. It definitely is a, making some major assumptions. It's definitely reading between the lines, but it's trying to make sense of our, our world and the fossil record and what we have. Now, on the other hand, there are a lot of... Um, young earth creationists out there who really do not like that theory and they would go against it. And so um, this would be people like, let's say, Answers in Genesis. You know, they would be a young earth creation ministry. And they would say that when the Bible says that God created the earth in six literal days, it means that. Now, the, let me just say, the gap creation people, they also believe that God created the earth in six literal days. They just believe that he essentially created it once and then recreated it a second time or reorganized it, if you will. So uh, a young earth creation view would say that the earth really is that young and that what we see with the fossil record, and there's just some pretty good cases for this actually, that what we see with the fossil record and the sedimentary rocks, etc., even stuff like the Grand Canyon, that if there was a catastrophic flood like the Bible describes, then what would have happened? Well, uh, you know, animals, including dinosaurs, would have run and they would have been all stacked up on top of each other as they got hit with like a wave of water and sedimentary rock and sand and stuff like that. And they would have been kind of encased in that and they would have been fossilized and things like that. So there's a pretty, pretty good case for that from a young earth position. Now, there's another view that's also held by a lot of people and, and people who are serious about the Bible. And that view is the idea that when the Bible talks about in Genesis 1 about the earth being created in six days, that those days actually represent not 24-hour periods, but they represent epochs or epochs, however you pronounce it, and that they're, they're long periods of time. And they would say that during those times, you know, during those long periods of time, of course, dinosaurs were created as animals, 
and that because of the way that the earth was, um, that they were able to grow to such large size. And then as the earth changed in the time of the flood, then they all died. So that, that would be uh, kind of the three main viewpoints and kind of some of their, their talking points. That's awesome. That's exactly what I needed. I mean, we've been searching tirelessly to figure it out on our own, and we're not huge fans of the the old interweb. So I, I appreciate it, Pastor Nick. That's we're going to sit down and have a chat tonight around the dinner table. So sounds uh, good. Ver, very thankful and grateful for your ministry, and thank you for what you do. And God bless you, sir. Awesome. God bless you. Thanks for calling in. All right. Bye bye. All right. Bye bye. Hey, listening to Calvary Live, this is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts here live on the air today. Give us a call. The number is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Give us a call with your questions about the Bible. Give us a call with your prayer requests. Also text us. One more time, the call-in number 303 690 3,000. Let's go to Lana in Mount Laurel, New Jersey. Hi, Lana. Welcome to the program. Hello. How are you, sir? Doing great. Um, I'm doing good, too. Praise God. Um, I have a question, and I already spoke with a prayer request to the gentleman who took my call originally. Um, my question is this. Um, my husband and I were married 25 years. He, he's been committing adultery on me the last probably three or four years, which I didn't know about. We were divorced this past November, and he's not a Christian in any sense of the word anymore. And the thing is, um, I just want to know if I should continue to pray for reconciliation because, you know, there's no change. I've been praying for years, and there's just no change. He hates me, and um, he didn't want a Christian wife, and that's why he divorced me. And the thing is, um, I... uh, I was hoping to be remarried again one day and find a Boaz, and, you know, I, I, I really want to be reconciled, but I don't think it's possible if he's not going to come back to the Lord, so I don't want a man that doesn't love the Lord ever again. And so um, my question is this, if I get remarried again to a Christian man, why be committing adultery, even though he's divorced me, he, he practically abandoned me, and he committed adultery, defiled the marital bed? But am I the one, if I get remarried, am I going to be committing adultery? Yeah, I think the scripture is pretty clear in 1 Corinthians 7 that it says that if your unbelieving partner separates or leaves you, let it be so. In such a case, you are not bound. And it says that God has called you to peace. So basically his point there is this. If you are married to someone who's not a Christian and they are willing to stay married to you and live you know, continue to be married, um, then you should stay married to them. You shouldn't divorce your spouse because they're not a Christian. But in the case in which you're a Christian and your spouse leaves you, particularly if the reason that they leave you is because you're a Christian, Paul says, let them go. And I and he says, you're no longer bound. And it would seem to me that that is the end of this marriage. So you have come to a place where you are no longer married to this person. Now, I would tell you, that that doesn't mean that you can't continue to seek reconciliation, but um, if you, as you said, he uh, hates you, which I, I'm really sorry to hear that. I, I um, that's very strong words, right? And I'm sure that reflects reality. But you know, I think that 
uh, if that's the case, then I would tell you that I think you're free to see if God has something else for you because you're not married anymore. Um, on the other hand, if you feel a strong conviction from the Lord that you should continue to seek reconciliation or continue to wait, then I would, con I would, I would not tell you to go against your conscience. I would tell you to go with your conscience and do it as unto the Lord. And I would tell you this, that um, we have a couple in our church that is a story like that, where he cheated on her, he left her, he turned his back on the Lord, and she just decided, you know what, she had a really strong conviction that this was not God's call for everybody, but it was God's call for her. So she never took off her wedding ring, and she continued to just wait patiently. Anyway, a few years later, through some different circumstances, her husband had then divorced the other woman that he had left her for, and they were able to get reconciled. He repented of his past sins, and God did a wonderful work of restoration. Now, I've heard of that happening two occasions in, you know, within 20 years of being a pastor. So, or not quite that long, but almost. But uh, my point is that that's really an exception to the rule. It's a beautiful, wonderful exception. I praise the Lord for it. It's glorious. Yeah. And yet, uh, and yet I wouldn't tell you that that's like a rule that you need to do. I would tell you to seek the Lord. What does he want you to do? But I would tell you that you can feel that you, you are free to pursue another relationship because as the Bible says here, you're no longer bound. Oh, thank you, Pastor, because there's so many people in the world saying on YouTube and all, I, oh, if you remarry, even though you've been divorced, your husband left you, your wife left you, they cheat on you, blah, 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 you're a Christian, you shouldn't remarry, you should stay single or be reconciled and never get remarried to a Christian spouse ever again, that you're to remain single. And I was like, I was kind of bummed out about that. <laughs> I, you know, I was hoping to one day meet a Boaz if that's what God has for me. If He doesn't, that's fine too. But, you know, I, you know, I didn't want to remain single if yeah. God has it. <laughs> and I heard that, you know, that would be committing adultery. Yeah, I, I think from what it says there in First Corinthians seven that you have a, a green light to you you know you're no longer bound by that relationship is basically what it says i think that's pretty straightforward it's a very very um contentious issue to be honest with you about you know divorce and remarriage but i, I think that in your case it's pretty clear you've been abandoned you've been um cheated on and you know you he left you he divorced you and i think that in your case it's pretty straightforward so uh, let me pray for you in this situation that God would really speak to you about it. And, and I would encourage you, you know, to speak to your pastor about it as well. But let's go ahead and pray real quick. Lord, we, we pray for Lana, and we do ask, Lord, that you give her wisdom with what is the right thing for her to do. And I know, Lord, that um, we need to go beyond just asking what can we do to asking what should we do. And so, Lord, I pray for Lana that you would make it clear to her what your will is for her and your path for her. And, um, Lord, if it is to have her have a, a redemptive relationship in the future, Lord, I pray that that would happen and that it would give you glory and honor. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you. You bet. God bless you. Thanks for calling God in. bless you, too. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Right.
Hey, listening to Calvary Live, this is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I'm here with you today taking your calls and texts live on the air. About 15 minutes left in the program. Give me a call. The number is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or text me at 720-336-0897. Let's go to Timothy in Denver, Colorado. Hi, Timothy. Welcome to the program. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Hey, so, um, yeah, I had kind of two, and I'll keep it real, real brief, two quick questions, um, and if that's all right, and just so I understand, there's no specific topic that you're trying to cover or trying to stay on a certain focus. I'm here to answer your questions. Perfect. Um, So, yeah, I kind of, I just wanted to double back real quick quickly on a previous caller's question, and I apologize because it's not exactly um, the question that I was talking to about the person when I first called, but um, when the caller asked about his daughter and kind of the, the thing of dinosaurs, um, and I'll just throw out real quickly that, you know, I kind of consider myself a Christian, kind of somewhere lost and confused Christian, I would I would put it best, but and I would say, you know, the most important thing, and I'd just love to hear your thoughts on it, you know, when it comes to dinosaurs, whether it's young war or young earth, old earth, you know, kind of the important thing for that daughter is, you know, her relationship with Christ and understanding salvation and, and kind of the gift of salvation, you know, would you, that's kind of the most important thing Yes, absolutely. So, so here's what we say, right? There are primary theological issues and there are secondary theological issues. It's important that we make this distinction and it's important that we determine and help people understand what are the primary issues and what are the secondary issues. When it comes to primary issues, those are issues which, let's say, if there was not agreement on those things, then we would say a person who doesn't agree is actually not a Christian, right? So, um, in that case, we have to have unity on the essentials, but on non-essentials or secondary theological issues, then there's a lot of room for uh, differing opinions, a lot of room for you know different views, and we can still discuss those things as family, and we can have different views on them. And so th- this would a- include a lot of things like the, the, you know, the spiritual or charismatic gifts. It would include things like the rapture, you know, and how the, how the end times timeline plays out. Uh, someone can be a Christian who loves the Lord and have differing views on these things. And, uh, but here's the thing, you know, where I, as I agree with you, Timothy, that uh, somebody who says, you know, are there dinosaurs or not? Well, at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter for your salvation. Here, here would be my kind of response to that. I would say, you're absolutely right. It doesn't matter for salvation. And yet, I, w- I would think that it is a good use of our time to be wrestling through the things of the Bible and answering questions that people are asking because we don't want to just say it doesn't matter or I don't know. You know, we want to say, well, the Bible has everything in it that we need for life and godliness, which means that it, it's not a manual for how to fix your car. It's not a science textbook, but um, it does answer all the questions that are important for life and godliness. And one of those questions is how does... Um, you know, our material world, our physical world, how does it fit with God as a creator? So that would be my my response there. I I think that was 
excellent um, and very well put as far as primary and secondary. And, yeah, I very much appreciate every word in that response. Um, and quickly, and sorry, it's kind of a bigger one, okay. but in any time you have left, um, you know, when I say lost or kind of confused Christian, kind of my thing, and um, again, just your thoughts on it, trying to wrestle with and understand the issue of free will in Christianity and choosing Christ and God kind of being all loving and all good and free of sin in the sense that, you know, all of our sinful tendencies and nature as human beings in the, in the form that God created us, you know, post-fall, given the fact that, you know, in the very beginning in Genesis, it talks about we created and there being three, you know, the, the Holy Ghost and God the Father, and, but, you know, talking about, doesn't talk about Jesus in Genesis, obviously, but it just talks about we created, so mainly probably implying Holy Spirit and God, but given the fact that, you know, Jesus was always prophesied in the fact that kind of God would have likely always known that Jesus would need to be begotten, in a sense, and created. You know, it's, it's hard for me to see humans really having free will or having a choice to love God when it just seems all perfectly set up for us to fail having our sinful nature and to be sinful mm-hmm. and only an option of heaven and hell. It just yeah. seems a little too concrete and lacking of freedom in that, in the sense mm-hmm. that really it seems it's pretty predetermined. I see. Yeah, so essentially the question, if I could summarize, uh, would just be, is a question of free will in, in regard to salvation and in regard to sin and things like that. It, it's definitely a big question. It's It was a big question in the Reformation as well. You know, Luther they had a famous book called The Bondage of the Will in which he had an argument with a guy named Diderus Erasmus who believed in free will. Luther, on the other hand, came back to the scriptures and said, well, we, what we think is totally free will is a lot less than what really exists. But again, this is, a, this is one of those secondary issues. It gets down to whole theological systems, you know, which are based on, okay, so at what point does God do the choosing? Does God do the choosing before we sin? Does he do it before, after we sin? Does it before we're even born? You know, if God has chosen you, does that mean that you can still resist his drawing of you? So there's a lot of theological discussions that go into this. And you know what it's like? It's like, it's like people trying to figure out things, figure out the, the intersections between things that we know are true. So here's a few things that we know are true. We know that uh, we have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We know that God is holy and we are not. We know that the wages of sin is death. And we know that we're called to repent and believe. And we also know that God chooses and that God draws by the Spirit. And yet we're still called to respond. So here's the best way we can look at all of these things is to just take them at face value and say these things are all true at the same time. And we choose to believe them, even if we don't fully grasp how they all work together. And this is actually the beauty of God's uh, transcendence. You know that uh, I've heard it put this way: that if God was so 
small that you could completely wrap your head around the way that he works, then he wouldn't be grand enough for you to worship him as God. So um, with that, I do need to let you go because I've got a few other callers on the line and one prayer request. But I love the conversation. Keep searching those scriptures and keep seeking the Lord. Thank you so much. All right. God bless you. Bye-bye. I have a prayer request that I want to get to before we go to our last two callers. I'm going to try and get it all in before the end of the show. Uh, the prayer request is for Nate Medlong. Now, you might remember that I shared about Nate. He's a friend of mine, and he's a pastor and missionary in Ukraine with Calvary Chapel. And Nate got COVID. It turned into pneumonia. He had a really bad—I mean, we almost lost him several times over the past couple of weeks. But by God's grace, Nate has gotten into a very good hospital ward, perhaps the best in the entire country of Ukraine. And he's getting uh, the care that he needs. And I just want to give you an update on that, that he's doing better. He's certainly not out of the woods. He woke up the other night uh, singing praise and worship to the Lord. And I've been in touch with Nate personally. He's able to correspond now, uh, which he wasn't able to before. So I want to give you that praise report and just pray briefly for him before we go to our next caller. Lord, thank you for Nate's progress. Thank you for getting him into a ward there where he's able to get the care that he needs. Lord, please heal him completely and be with his family members there, Lord, especially his children and his wife, his brother, and his extended family around the world. So Lord, be with Nate, we ask. Heal him completely from COVID. And Lord, for the sake of his church, his family, and the things that you want to do through his life in the years to come. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's go to Cody in Fort Collins, Colorado. Hi, Cody. Welcome to the program. Hi. How are you doing, Pastor? Thank you for taking my call. Absolutely. I, just have a, I mean, it's a kind it. of a big dilemma, but just a quick, uh, I want to know your thoughts on this. So I've been, uh, like, looking into Christianity for a couple of years, but six months ago, I gave my life to the Lord. I've been with the same girl for 20 years. We have two kids, um, and we never got married. One's 18, and one is 13. Does the Lord look at us as married, like if we were to split up? Because we don't have a really great relationship. It's been rocky. There's been all kinds of stuff, but that's a whole other subject. But do you think the Lord would want wants us to stay together and try to work it out and get married? Mm. Is she also a Christian? Um, she's a believer, but she hasn't like fully given her life over to the Lord, I would say. Yeah. She, and and I guess the, the answer to that doesn't really change, um, what I would respond to you. I was just curious, but here, here would be my take on this. I think that you guys have been living together as husband and wife. There's probably some way in which, um, you are common law married, but I would really, um, recommend that, Hey, this is the time to, get right with the Lord in your relationship. And maybe this is the time where you tell her, you know, honey, we've been together. I know things have been hard, but God has done a work within me. And I want that work to extend to our family, to our kids and to our life together. And, you know, if you're willing, take my hand and let's take the Lord's hand, the three of us, let's, let's walk with the Lord from now on. Let's see what kind of, you know, how he might redeem this um, broken relationship and, and what he might do with it. I got to tell you, I've seen some people like that. I was talking to a friend the other day and he told me that when he was like eight years old, his parents, this is like their story. He was eight years old. His parents came to the Lord and, and it's like one of them before the other. 
And that totally changed his childhood. Like from that day forward, his parents started walking with the Lord. They got married. And it was just like a, a total transformation and the best thing that ever happened to him. So that would be my awesome. advice to you. Get, yeah, get married, get in a church, get married and just say, guys, this is what we're doing as a family. We're going to walk with the Lord and it's going to be cool. Right. Well, I, well, she's not quite on board with that fully yet, but um, I, I'm, you know, I'm trying to lead by example and hopefully she'll come along and I really appreciate your advice. Absolutely. And I, if you could pray for me really quick, that'd be I would great. love to. Yeah, let's do it. Heavenly Father, we pray for Cody. We ask, Lord, for his relationship with his girlfriend, Lord, and thank you for the work that you've done in his heart. Thank you for saving him, bring him to yourself. Thank you that you're now working within him to transform him. And he gets to live out the resurrected life. The power of the resurrection, Lord, is now at work within him. So, Lord, we pray that you would also do that resurrection life work in his family, Lord, with his kids and with his girlfriend. Lord, we pray that she would come to that place by seeing your work in him, that she would say, wow, I, I need that too. Lord, work in, uh, let him be a good witness, I pray, to his girlfriend and to his kids. And Lord, please lead them to, the, to a great church where they can grow together. And we pray that she would be fully on board. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. My pleasure. God bless you. Hey, God we have uh, 45 seconds left in the show. Enough for one more text question. Someone asks, I, I have a question. Is there anything wrong or unbiblical about being cremated? The answer is no. God can resurrect dust. And if you die and decompose, you turn into dust anyway. So I don't think there's any concern about being cremated. Hey, you've been listening to Calvary Live. My name is Nick Cady, pastor of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. We'd love to have you come visit us and worship with us either in person or online. Check us out, whitefieldschurch.com, whitefieldschurch.com. And I will be with you again next Friday here on Calvary Live. God bless you and have a great night. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's word.